0: I mean, it's, whenever you don't win, it's it's frustrating, and um, it's frustrating, uh, the negativity from the outside. It's um, the constant booing, and, and uh, kind of from the crowd, too, tonight was, um, I understand that they're a passionate fan base. I understand. I love it. But, um, I mean, when you face adversity, you don't, you don't turn your back on the, the, the guys out there. I mean, we're, we're playing hard. Um, I know it's frustrating right now, but it's not like we're, we're giving up out there. We're fighting to the very end. So, um, to be honest with you, it's um, I, I was I was very frustrated. Fan morning show, Sportsnet 590. The fan band is Brent Gunning. That of course, Ottawa Senators captain Brady Kachuk, after Saturday's loss to the Tampa Bay Lightning, where they trailed 4-1, they came back and they lost 6-4, um, and they were booed off the ice. It's a team that uh, has struggled as of late. Tonight, his first chance to uh play a hockey game since those comments he mm. has had an opportunity to walk those comments back yesterday decided not to which i i appreciate yep. like yeah stand on say what on you your mean, word mean what you say yep yeah and it's 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 not like overly harsh to the fans i will say that there's a lot of like Pro athletes thinking there's a, a lot like ever all the fans get together and they decide whether right. to boo or not. Like, we're like hey, boy, like I uh, they're trying really hard. But like, I, here's the thing. Hockey team supposed to make the playoffs. Yeah. Hockey team off to poor start. Mm-hmm. Hockey team losing hockey game. Yeah. Fan boo. Like, I don't. And I have no. I don't see a fault in that, but nope. that's the reality of the situation. Yeah, it's the same way it works for a Bronx cheer for a goalie. The Leafs didn't put up on the jumbotron. Let's give Sammy a big cheer next time he makes a save. No, everyone just had seen enough, and they they decided there. Man, the Kachuk comments, it is, it's a nice little wake-up call and a reminder to how quick stuff gets real in the NHL. Yeah. I don't know how much people remember this, but there were so many stories of him playing road hockey with kids in his neighborhood. And now that same kid (laughs) bought a ticket last night. And he's like, you bum, get off my street. I do not like you. Like it gets real so quick. I, I'm not going to go as far as say, I like Kachuk's comments, but, I To your point, I love that he has conviction in what he says about them. You know, Friedman made some points on the 32 Thoughts podcast that he thought this was kind of, could Chuck really just trying to stand, stand up for DJ Smith? You could do that without telling the fans not to, to boo. There's a, yeah. there's a middle ground in there somewhere. And yeah, it's just, it is a reminder of, of how quickly expectations arrive on the scene. That Sens team has been, it's all been sunshine and rainbows and puppies and, oh, a new owner. And yeah, look at it now. when there's actually expectations, man, it's a very, very different. It's a different deal. That being said, they have a better goal differential than the Toronto Maple Leafs. What? what? (laughs) (laughs) They do. And, uh, yeah, goaltending has been part of their issue, but, uh, guess what? It's a significant part of the discussion around any Mm -hmm. National Hockey League team. This isn't new. I, yeah, did the, the Oilers look a whole lot different with league average goaltending? I bet you they do, but they don't have it. So, yeah, maybe... Get that right, which at this point, it doesn't feel like the Senators have. But back to the Kachuk thing. Mm -hmm. All right, so they were booed off the ice on Saturday. That was at the end of the game. They lost the game. Mm. Maybe it's been booed off the ice at the end of periods twice. There's a lot of this going on. They were chanting (laughs) Fire Lou on the island last night. People are ornery early in the season this year. So here's how you're also allowed to handle it. Here's Austin Matthews at the conclusion of Monday's game in which he registered another pair of goals mm-hmm. in a, in a comeback from a four, one deficit against their Atlantic division rivals. Yeah. I mean,
1: after the first, just the the energy and you know, the booze and stuff, rightfully so, but um, you know, didn't want them to go to sleep quite yet.
0: Yeah. Okay. God, I, I have heard that so many <laughs> times and I still love it. Every single time. Here's what you're allowed to do is like, make them eat it. Like mm. you're yeah. And like in the nicest way possible, but let it, oh and those people were happy to be fed they were like oh "Oh, feed me i want to eat all that crow guess what fans are fickle right (laughs) like yeah you can have a conversation like we were having after the opening 20 minutes Mm -hmm. of that hockey game like holy cow like is this (laughs) how bad is this team in reality that they can't mount a pushback after a four game losing streak and all the conversation around this team Mm -hmm. and then in 40 minutes you can change it all and make everybody feel stupid that's Allowed. That's what this team did mm-hmm. on Monday. They're, they're no strangers to having the fans feel like they're turning on them in the moment. But the fans are more than ecstatic yes. to get behind you. Of course they are. The other, the other thing I think it, it has to be pointed out in this discussion is a little easier. And obviously, Austin Matthews isn't going to say it this directly. But, yeah, they weren't booing us. They were booing him. Mm. People were upset that it was 4-1. But... I mean, yeah, there there certainly were people who were sitting in that building going, ah, these bombs never show up, 4-1, da-da-da. But most people watched that game and said, okay, well, if they would have got one save, this is a completely different hockey game. The team just feels like they're playing a totally fine game. So I think that's the one part of it is it's a lot easier when the arrows are going clearly at one-player well. On the team, and that's the case. The other part of it, as well, is it's just, and you know, I pull up Brady Kachuk's numbers. It's not like he hasn't been pulling his way to Ottawa. He has eight goals in his first ten games, eleven points in, in that. Mm-hmm. But when you're when you have thirteen goals in twelve games, and you're good for two seemingly every night, it's remarkable. Yeah, you do get to just kind of schluff things off, water off a duck's back. I love the way Matthews had it or handle that. It's the, it's the conversation we had earlier of. It's sometimes it's seen as a hard and fast thing. This just looks to me like a guy who is just slowly and slowly taking more ownership of this team. We do the whose team is it all the time thing. We can't ever, again, it is so clearly his team. And that's not a knock on John Tavares or anything like that. But how can you not see see that and and look at it as him taking ownership? Well, and a great point about Monday's fan reaction, that it was directed singularly at one guy who's been lifted from a couple of hockey games yeah. against the same opponent mm-hmm. in the Tampa Bay mm-hmm. Lightning. Who the fans hate. They hate the Lightning. He, sure. They, they hate a lot of teams, but yeah, sure. I, I guess they hate the lightning more than the Bruins. It doesn't feel like No, but the they fact hate them they'd... more than the blue jackets or the senators for that matter. No, it's true. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, this rivalry ain't what it used no. to be. And maybe uh, at some point it can get back to that. No, that's a good point, but yeah, they hated that performance. And despite the fact that he was in net for the six yeah. games against the lightning a season ago and had a great year, it doesn't matter. Fans are fickle to your point. It out. works both ways, right? A hundred percent. And I would say that, okay, there, there's been some guys that we think thought would be whipping boys on this team and and you're you know they, you're well aware of the Tyler bertuzzi potential I know to be that about, no. John Klingberg is obviously standing out as yeah. one of those guys and that is a position in defenseman in which you you man fans end up on your bad side they and, and you Larry Murphy I, town. I mean that's the number one example <laughs> Brian McKay like pretty good player like yeah. also like those uh, guys uh, in the division for a team having a great season Justin Hall uh, yeah-huh but What's more significant than that is if you have the fans not on your side as a goaltender, and that's not something that fuels you, and I'm not saying I wouldn't be this person, yes. but it's it like... It would eat it, me alive, just for the record. It it hurts your confidence in whatever fashion. It may be hurting Ilya Samsonov's mm-hmm. confidence. I mean, that's a tough spot for him to be in next next start he gets on home ice, and that's why I kind of feel like... It can't come on home ice. Okay, it is and it isn't, right? Because it's it is the complete double edged sword, and I don't, I am not saying we have reason to expect this, but Leafs give up a breakaway or there's a great a chance early, and Samsonov just makes that save. Mm-hmm. Building goes nuts. I'm not saying we get to Sammy Chance right away, but to your point, do you think anyone goes? I mean, there are sick people who would do this because they're like, I believe only in Joe Wall. But do you think anyone pays the hundreds of dollars they pay to go sit at Scotiabank Arena with the express purpose of hoping Mm -hmm. they get to boo the goalie of their favorite team? No, of course not. No one does that. And that is why it is just make one Save. They they are not holding him to some completely unfair standard. It is a full loss. The net. He cannot make a save right now. But to your point, to my the point I'm trying to make: if he just makes the first save of the game, it feels completely different. It yeah, really but if does. He gives up the first goal of the hockey game, though. People are ready to say, "Oh boy," and that's why you have to have the quick hook ready. Like I firmly, I do firmly believe that's a that. tough spot. To You're be not in, hooking no. him on the first goal, but if it's uh, if it looks like it did, you. No longer do we get to four, I think, is probably the best way to put it with Samsonov. He has to start in a home game, though, right? Yeah, eventually he's going to come back. Or Uh, they can just save him till Sweden. What do you want? (laughs) No, but Joseph Wall, considering his injury history, he's not starting on back-to-back games against Calgary and Vancouver. He's going to have to start one of those games. Exactly. And, I mean, if you are picking one, it's probably not the one that's put up double-digit goals in hockey games and started the season with eight against the Edmonton Oilers. I, I think I like you the, have to start him against the Flames. No, I like the Babs. Give yourself your best chance with the guy well, who gives you, you the best chance in uh, the first game. I guess the bar is lower than against the Canadians on the back-to-back so that you're, you're judging him. a low, But yeah. also it means that you're not hooking him, right? Like it's it's a Patrick Waugh situation yeah. I, where where you know again considering the injury history on the back to back that that Joseph Wall is not playing forty minutes after he just played a full sixty. You would imagine against the Calgary Flames. Yeah, I don't I don't know that that's a I don't, they would not want to have the hook, but I don't think it's an absolutely you can't you can't give him the hook. If you think that there's no way on green earth that you can put Joseph wall and you know what? It's just false. So I think it's say like God's green earth. Cause he would really like that there. If you can't have him see the net in back-to-back games, then you might as well not even have him on the bench. Like literally mm. what is the point? Find a way to call up Martin Jones. And obviously this team can't do that, but, you have to have it as a possibility. It would work the exact same way. And I understand you want to be careful with wall, but if you don't think he can literally go in a game and back to back, so I'm not saying you should start him, but it has to be a possibility, especially with the way they've gone. But, but the one thing I will say about that is the team has to earn the hook. It's a, it's a crazy thing to say about a goaltender. But if the team is playing like it played in that Tampa game, and Samsonov's going the way he goes, then yes, you do hook the goalie. But if it is a back-to-back, you're flat, you can't get any stops, sorry, boys. He's eating it, and you're eating it. Yeah, I would just say that the... And maybe you believe in this, maybe you don't. I would say that the feeling in the building Mm -hmm. next time Ilya Samsonov starts a game... Is going to be one of nervousness and and people ready to wholeheartedly agree to turn on him wholeheartedly. Like he's lost the benefit of the doubt with this fan base, despite the great season totally, and it only being twelve games this season. It doesn't matter. He's he's lost the benefit of the of the uh, doubt with the Leafs fan base. uh Raptors in Dallas tonight to play a Mavericks team that's off to a great start, only one loss this season and. Kyrie Irving is yeah, kind of give, give it time. He's taking a step back, right? Like the the field goal attempts are as low as it's been the last half decade for him and this Mavericks team. What's America winning? voting again? I feel like that was time. yesterday. You okay. missed it. Okay, and Kyrie the, still didn't get. Yeah. Okay, all right. That's the best. That's it's, the biggest hurdle they have to clear. Yeah, the NBA took the day off yesterday. There were no in season tournament games as there usually are or there will be on every Tuesday and Friday I'm in November. Like, I'm like every NBA player that gets asked about that. Like, no, oh, I'm cool. Yeah, well, Raptors haven't participated in it yet. So How? I, I, yeah, I don't know. They got four <laughs> that are coming up at the end of the month. Anywho, Raptors in Dallas tonight after their big comeback victory over the San Antonio Spurs, which you know, looks a little different after the Spurs gave up 151 points to the Pacers the next day. On the back to back. Yeah, yeah sure. sure. I mean hundred and fifty one. I'm I, I mean, I already said that I was all the way back in after the loss to the Sixers, the second one who, you know, they they've played twice this season, both times on the back end of back to backs. Nothing matters but Scotty Barnes for this team right now. Yep. And nothing matters as far as an entertainment standpoint than watching his individual performance and whether he can continue to look like a top 15 player in the NBA. If he can continue to shoot 42% from three, I'm all the way back in on this Raptors team being intriguing. I'm surprised to say that because I could not have been more out going into the season, despite the fact they weren't going to be horrible did you? Did anyone watch the the eighty two games a season ago? Even after the acquisition of Jakob it was a slog to watch offensively. And not to say that they're going to be some some different team in the half court. They they are now no longer dead last, by the way, in the NBA in half court offense. They're 29th. ninth. Yeah, go. But this is. I, there is real juice to Raptor, Raptors games for me now, and it's not in the win-loss column. It's w- what is Scotty Barnes on a daily basis? That's it. It is all about the growth he can take. Whatever, However big a believer you are in any version of the Raptors plan that they've put forward, that guy's at the tip of the spear for every single version of it, and we've all done the thing of what's he going to... I think that's maybe the most intriguing thing about watching Scotty Barnes grow is that you know, with a lot of players and in any sport, you can kind of close your eyes and you can see the roadmap of, okay, I know where this is going. With Scotty Barnes, it feels like this thing is octopus arms. There's like, it's not a fork in the road. There's 13 different ways it can go in terms of the player he becomes. You squint and you can see short yawnish. You squint and you can see, you know, a, a big point guard. There's just so many. You squint, you can see a great role man, a pick and pop guy, like the shooting facet of it. I don't think that's going to hold by any means, but even if he's, 36, 37%. What that does with the oh, rest yeah. of the, t- the skills he has available, I think that is the most fun version of this. And this is why it is the most interesting for the Raptors is because of him, you can see the most varied paths. And I think that is maybe what's caused the franchise to be in a bit of stasis is, okay, before we cast anything aside here, and they've been hesitant to do that with the exception of a first-round pick for Jakob Burtle, like Fred VanVleet left, but it, like... Before we cast anything aside and it's mostly OG and Pascal, how do they fit with Scotty yeah. and how do they continue to evolve as Scotty evolves this season? I think that's just the question you have there. Yeah, OG seems like a perfect fit. Like OG is a perfect one, fit with everyone in the history of basketball. It's it's pa- Pascal Siakam. How does he respond to and and maybe this is something he thought would happen going into the season was already filling this role where he, he you know, he looks at where he is in his development and the fact that at times during that uh, championship run in 2019, he was second best player on a championship mm-hmm. level team, that he went into this season understanding that it was Scotty Barnes' team. Here's my guess, is that he didn't, mm-hmm. and that this is now becoming apparent to him. How does that change the body language, if you want to be into into that, but mm-hmm. like more specifically the performance for a guy who's maybe on the trade block and certainly in line for potentially a big extension at the end of the year, which should only motivate him to find a way to fit in. Because again, you know, for as good as Pascal Siakam is a great player, all-star level guy did what he did for this championship team. There isn't a team in this league. I was about to say on the planet. Our there's, league. There's oh. plenty. Uh, Kevin Garnett. There's plenty of teams in the planet that would take him to be their number one guy. There's not a team that's trying to do anything in this league that's signing up for Pascal Siakam to be their number one option. So he better prove yes. he can find a way to fit in that's and be happy. Now maybe. The fit isn't clean beside Scotty Barnes, and it's more of a guard that he gets paired up with, and that's a better fit. That's possible. But you got to show that you can buy into being that second banana, that second option here. Because anywhere he gets mm. traded, if he gets traded, it's gonna be in that role. So that it's it's incumbent on him to show he can make this work, in my opinion. Uh, we'll see tonight in Big D against the Mavericks Kyrie Ring and Luka Doncic. All right, time now for something to chew on, brought to you by Great. Canadian meets thanks to ESPN's Greg Waschinsky for pointing this out. The NHL has these new tracking stats, NHL Edge, which is awesome. That's cool, man. I love information. You do. You're a baseball guy. I love stats. Like- yeah, it's like Statcast, but for hockey. It is. I know. Really? Except it's a little different. Statcast is all. Hey, what does the ball do? What is the bat on? B-? It's right. a, it, it, No, sorry. It's only what the ball does. Right. I guess fielding Statcast stuff is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. It is like there's body tracking stuff, yep. but it's. Yeah, there's a little more concrete uh, takeaways you can have in looking at baseball stats to this point. Greg Wyshynski rightly pointing out that, oh, yeah, you want to see how good the greatest guys in the sport are, how fast the fast dudes are? No problem. Yeah. Readily available. You want to see who the slowest skater in the National Hockey League is? Yeah, you got to no. dig. You got to real. and Greg said it took him two hours to, to find the answer to that. <laughs> Everybody who is not the elite of the elite is labeled under this category under 50th percentile because the NHL and the NHLPA are trying to protect these players yep. from being embarrassed. In baseball, you want to find out who the slowest runner is in all of Major League Baseball? Guess what? It's Alejandro Kirk, or he's among mm. the slowest. I, I was going Daniel Vogelbach. You can find anything you want because, hey, once you open the box of, Mm -hmm. hey, we track these things, sort it to the top or sort it to the bottom. Yeah. (laughs) If you're going to have the information, if you don't allow all of it to come out, it feels like propaganda. And honestly, that's what this feels like. If you're not going to give us access to all the information, you're holding some of it back. Mm. It it doesn't like it, it just it feels untruthful. I I don't know that I look at it so much as propaganda. I don't think you're wrong to. It's just that's not where my my mind goes. The thing I the thing that I take away from this is this is the problem. I mean, let me let me start by saying this. There are many issues with hockey culture. We don't need to dive into all of them right now. But in terms of marketing, in terms of growing the game, in terms of selling it, this is one of the big bugaboos about hockey culture. They are so afraid to make anybody the butt of the joke. Mm -hmm. It just cannot happened. We saw the thing of the All-Star Draft and it was Kessel's that's, that's last right. pick and Ovi's taking his picture and never again. could just never ever happen again because why? Heaven forbid we laugh at Phil Kessel. Surely no one's ever done that in their life. <laughs> Surely every player in the NHL doesn't have a Phil Kessel impression they could do like he's Christopher Walken or something. <laughs> like It is the most infuriating thing that they refuse to point anyone out in a negative light and I'm not saying every night on the Sportsnet broadcast we need to have the Slow Pokes Award for the guys <laughs> Or the Jason Allison Award for slowest skater in league history, okay? Well, you don't need to do that, but you cannot hide that. This is part of it. Part of, part of what makes baseball great is that I can look at Alejandro Kirk's sprint right. speed and say, isn't it amazing this guy's a professional athlete? Or Daniel Vogelbach, mm-hmm. or whoever you're going to point at in that regard. There are plodding players that are successful in the league. It would only point out more that they are this outlier. It only helps you tell the story that they can't move their feet and somehow they succeed in this league. Or you're the fastest player in the league and you can't do a damn thing. Like these are interesting stories to have. So that's the thing I go to with this is this is part of the problem with hockey's marketing is you can only ever point to something good and no league sits there and goes, oh, let's have our yackety sacks of the night and highlight mm-hmm. the bad. But look at the NBA, like the NFL. There are the forlorn teams that are constantly being just Heaped on and dumped on at all times. And it feels like in the NHL, yeah, we do that with our local team and we've done it a bit with the Sharks here and there, but we never, ever focus on the other side of things. And guess what? No There's two sides to fool. every coin. No Shaq and a fool. Yeah. Um. The, the, yeah. Baseball is the place I think both of us went with this because they are like the be all end all as far as information, yeah. right? It's a like, static sport. Yep. NFL is getting closer, right? Yeah. Like do you, do you, Also, you, relatively static sport. Yeah, Stop yeah. starts, yep. right? Yep, 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 yep. But it's also like there are easier, more direct takeaways from that information, Mm -hmm. right? Like not necessarily sprint speed stuff. I don't think. I mean, there is. I guess like you, you would prefer a guy who's faster than slower. But like the exit velocity stuff, yeah. Blue Jays are in conversations to acquire a player or looking at somebody in free agency. What's the first place I go to? I do go to their baseball savant. I was page. on the air when the Varsho trade was made. That was the very first thing I did, right? And you look at the the little graph, sliders, the red, slide. yeah, red, red good, good, blue bad, blue bad. Guess what? If you had a good season where you had a bunch of blue, you're like, what? How? What happened there? Maybe that's not going to happen again. Maybe that person got lucky. And guess what? You're generally proven correct because. Mm-hmm. Baseball is a lot like blackjack in that way. Hockey is not. No, I like I I use advanced stats. I like Corsi. I like Mm. expected goals for. But it's part of the discussion. It's part of it's it's part of making an opinion about Mm -hmm. something. It's not the be all end all. I think even the most ardent advanced stat person in hockey would agree. Austin Matthews does not have the hardest shot in all of the National Hockey League. In fact, you're telling me earlier yeah, on. Yeah, I've got it right here. So this season, his hardest shot was clocked in at 147 kilometers per hour. That has him in the 83rd percentile. You can have that. That's a number right there for you. Guess what? I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> and you shouldn't care. But it it is interesting to know. It's like, wow, what I an think- incredible athlete that he's able o- to overcome something as obvious as not having the the best shot in the National Hockey so League. So I don't look at it for the guys like Matthews. I look at it as, and I'm, and I guess I'm realizing maybe I don't care as much because I've never looked this up. But I'm curious with Nick Robertson. Like, all we ever hear. Yeah. Like, those are the guys where I think it's actually very interesting to have the mm-hmm. data on. Where it's the shot, the shot, the shot. He has a great shot. Matthews said the uh, greatest lie of all time in the history of training camp last year. And he's like, oh, he might, he might have a better shot than me. Okay, mm-hmm. settle down. That's not true. But those are the players where you hear about this guy who is a... Or you see this player who obviously has a skill that pops, but maybe they're not thought of of the game's elite. And you can see, yes, they do truly have that skill that that kind of pops there. So I think it's like anything. You know, when baseball first started to—I mean, baseball had numbers way longer than everybody else. But in the Statcast era, like we grew with our understanding of that. There were certain things we looked at all the time early on that I imagine we don't look at nearly as much now. And hockey is the sport that maybe of all of them lends itself the least to it. It is a frozen piece of rubber on ice like there are bounces there are things you cannot quantify but i think it's only better to have more data and i i know that shocker i think i have the best way to do it i always just form my opinion and then go look at the fancy stats mm-hmm. and then maybe my mind can be changed not always but maybe my mind can be changed that's the way i kind of do it with hockey because i think that's where we are at with the analytics for sure helpful but it is just such a sport that it's hard to quantify so many things no the idea that somebody would take uh, a stat like Austin Matthews only being in the eighty third percentile and shot speed, and like you take that to arbitration or oh and, god no, or, yeah, like that's just not the way this is ever going to work. And the but players in the NHL should be wise to that and just open it up for everybody. Exactly. Here's where it's way more likely to be used. Whoa. Morgan Riley snapped that breakout pass. It's mm-hmm. 67 miles an hour or whatever, whatever a hard breakout pass would be. It's the outlier things that we're talking about. And guess what? Sometimes outliers are really good. Sometimes they're bad too. And we mm-hmm. should be able to point out those things as well. Yeah. Like if a guy flubbed Rasmus Sandy, the guy flubbed a pass every single game. I would like that stat. I would like the metric on <laughs> flub, how much slower his well, his like flub pass, how much slower <laughs> it is than all of his regular ones. Like, it's We can have fun with this stuff. It doesn't all have to be to crack the atom no. for winning and losing. And no. th- is this player a better or makes your team better? So, yes, of course. That's the point of it. But it's entertainment. It is an entertainment product. Let me let me praise someone. Well, but let me ridicule them as well. Well, here's my guess, too, is that these franchises have proprietary well, information. That this is, is for the public. It's for yeah. us to have conversations yes. and debates about. Yes. Give us access to all of it. Don't Please. hide some stuff behind uh, behind a wall. All right. Uh, coming up, is it harder to stick with a plan if you're an NHL head coach in a Canadian market? We'll talk to a guy who would know, former Jack Adams Award winner, Bruce Boudreaux, next. As the Fan Morning Show continues, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Fresh views on everything in the National Football League. It's the Fan Checkdown with Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your
1: podcasts. Fan Morning Show Sports at
0: 590. The Fan, Ben Sprint Gunning. We have one final Toronto Argonauts playoff football giveaway for our listeners today. Saturday, November 11th, the defending Grey Cup champion Toronto Argonauts facing off against the Montreal Alouettes. BMO Field, 3 p.m. To enter for a chance to win two tickets to check out the action, text today's code word, code words, Grey Cup to 590-590. Again, today's code word is Grey Cup. Text us into 590-590 right now to enter for your chance to win tickets to Saturday's game. If you don't win with us, you can secure your tickets uh, for Saturday's game at Ticketmaster.ca. More details at Sportsnet.ca slash 590. Leafs, Senators, couple of Ontario teams tonight on Sportsnet after 7 o'clock. Let's talk to Bruce Boudreaux, Jack Adams Award winner, NHL Network analyst who joins us online right now. How's it going, Bruce? Good morning.
1: Good morning. It's going well uh good to
0: hear it uh so these teams have had various levels of scrutiny on them in the the early stages of the season uh the leafs bouncing back nicely uh, with monday's uh, comeback win over the tampa bay lightning the senators coming off their own loss against the lightning on saturday in which they were booed off the ice and you know we've we've seen in this market some some tinkering very early on in the season i i i wonder bruce having uh, coached in a Canadian market, is it tougher to have patience? If you believe in something but it's not working out, is it tougher to have patience with something if you're the head coach of a team in a Canadian market?
1: I don't think so. I mean, I think, you know, we all know what market we're in, but, I mean, we're doing what we think is best for the team at the time. And uh, so, I mean, I don't think, or I know with me it wouldn't have mattered uh I'm not sitting there in the, in the room thinking, Oh man, we're in Canada. I better change something. Things aren't going good like this. If I believe in, in what, what the, the lineup should be and what the uh, tinkering of anything um, it's only because we're believing that these are things that we need to do to win. And I think that's the bottom line is, is all coaches are thinking, how do we win? How do we win? How do we get to play better? And, and you know, it doesn't come into play. The fact that we're in Toronto, we're Vancouver or wherever so we we
0: often talk about the the pressure of it, and I don't know maybe it's all personality wise and not to say it wouldn't wear on you at times, but you seem like a person who obviously you know I- embraces all of that. What is different then about being in a in a Canadian market because I don't think we can say it's it's the exact same, but to hear your point, maybe it's a, the, the differences are a little overstated compared to what we think
1: Well, I mean for the most part, a there's more media um, concerned about hockey. Uh, th- that 's number one I mean uh, in Anaheim, for example I mean there there would be tons of media following the, the angels in baseball and anything uh in, in football, but I mean there was one guy covering hockey so i mean the the secondly the uh, the the thing in the Canadian market is everybody's watching the games i mean you can 't go anywhere without somebody you knowing saying. There's this guy. There's that guy. He played, and they all have opinions. And if you'd be willing to listen to anybody, they're all saying opinions. So I mean, it's it's, it's uh, whether you like to hear it or not. That's that's the deal. When you're especially when, like in the the town I was in in Vancouver, the town that I li- uh, was born in, in Toronto, those are very opinionated um, towns when it comes to hockey, and everybody watches, so everybody has an opinion.
0: Um I have an opinion that Elias Samsonov has not been very good this season. I think it's an opinion shared by by many. I also have an opinion that hey there's there's more issues than just the goaltending in in Edmonton, but a large part of the Oilers' slow start this season has been between the pipes. Um what do you do if you're a head coach and it's like maybe not 100% of the problem but like more than 80% of the problem is in net where the solutions are hard to come by? And it does feel like unless you were a goalie, it, you kind of throw your hands up in the air and say, I, I don't know, stop the puck. Like, what do you do as a head coach when it feels like it's all goaltending?
1: Well, if that's the way you, you feel, there's not much you can do. I mean, um, <laughs> there's usually there's usually 24 forwards in the system, and there's usually at least 12 to 14 defensemen, but there's only five goalies in the whole system. that you that you control, so I mean if you can't uh, if if none of those guys are getting the job done, then you have to look outside and you have to make weeks or you have to do things but it's it's tough Goaltending is by far uh, the most important position on the team, and uh, no matter what team uh, is it, if it's not getting it at that particular moment, that team usually struggles because it it affects everything it affects confidence it affects uh, it affects the way you um, uh, the way you play. I mean, the the chances you take. Uh, it uh, you know, like I've been on many teams where, okay, you know, the goaltending isn't that really as good as you'd like it, and then a goal gets scored against you that's not that great, no matter how good you're playing. And you see on the bench, you look down and the shoulders are slumping, the faces go down in between your legs. It's just, it's tough. It's a what makes it the most difficult, difficult job going because goaltending is so vital to your team. And, I mean, uh, we all strive to get the best at it. And usually the teams that have the best goaltending um, usually win. (laughs) It's just simple as that.
0: Yeah, generally speaking, uh, not a lot of uh, Vesna caliber goalies sitting on the outside of, of playoff races look, looking in. You know, you, you mentioned it there, the idea of the backbreaker goal early on in a game. We've seen it so many times in, in, especially in this market, just over the last kind of handful of years. But the question I have for you with goaltending, and you know, we talked about it there, how how crucial it is, how important it is. How hard is it for for a head coach when, and this just isn't the way the league is now of there being a guy, you know, there's a few guys in the league of a Helyabuck or a Shostakim, the most part it's tandems how hard is it for the coach to try to find the right balance find the right guy because you know my running joke with all my buds and I don't know how much of a joke as opposed to true it is is it's it's a bit of voodoo you know you're you're hoping for some luck you're hoping for the guy to have it that night how hard is it for the coach when it's not a set one and and backup and it's more of a tandem to kind of find the right balance and pick the right guy on any given night
1: you know what I you know I mean we can all uh make mistakes but I think for the most part uh, it's not that difficult because you're with these goalies all the day every day and every team has a pretty solid goalie coach who's with them more than you're with them and so I mean they have a a really good feel on how he is they really have a good a good feel on uh if he's fatigued uh if he's too tired if it's a team he doesn't have success against so i mean uh you know and and there's very unless you like say the bruins where you that's really split down the middle of the goaltending because they're both really good i mean there's somebody that even if it's 55 percent better than 45 percent than the other guy you know, you know when to play him and he's going to play the two out of three and um <clears throat> if he had a uh, and and if you've had the same goalie for a while, you have the signs of whether he's on or off and within the first five minutes or the, the first five shots uh, against him in the game. And that's when you get the, your your uh, trigger finger either ready to give him a, a longer look or you know that this isn't going well. And I mean, there's some really good tells. Like, I mean, and it's not goals going in on him. I mean, if the first couple shots, he's not catching it or there's rebounds uh, just all over the place or he's like swimming in the net. You can tell, Oh, this guy is lease isn't long unless he, unless he straightens it out or the morning skate. Even sometimes a goalie doesn't look mm. good. You're just, Oh, I got to, uh, you know, I got the, got it out ready for him tonight. <laughs> but not in a mean way, but no. I mean, you're looking at, okay. Like if this guy isn't got it, if we want to save the game we've got to get it early and i mean with me for the most part uh, i would wait if it was in the first period the third goal is usually the telltale sign but sometimes if it's the second goal and it's early and the goalie just like say two goals have gone in and one shot has hit him right in the palm of the glove and bounced 10 feet out or he's (laughs) he's a shot's gone wide and he didn't turn his head till the till it hit the hit the boards you just know he's not seeing the puck and that. You don't want to wait till it's out of reach and make the change because you still want to win, and you've got the capabilities of winning, <clears throat> um, excuse me, uh, well, well, before you pull them. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and f- uh, for the Leafs, there's clearly one goalie that's going better than the other, and he's the guy I expect to be in net tonight, and that's uh, that's Joseph Wall, uh, who was signed to a nice little uh, contract uh, by Kyle Dubas that pays him under 800K this year. And next, there's a couple of guys that were acquired this past offseason in free agency that were expected to be significant contributors. And the most notable guy is Tyler Bertuzzi, who's had his issues. I mean, he got a good run out of the gates with the top line, and maybe injuries were part of the reason why he didn't produce right out of the gates. And then you know, it was bumped down to the second line, and then a couple of games in crucial moments, didn't play much in the third period. Also, Ryan Reeves is now down to plan fewer than five minutes in a game. These are two guys and obviously asked to do different things, but two guys that were assigned to pretty significant deals by a brand new general manager in the off season as a head coach. Who's I, I get it. Sheldon Keith got the extension, but also understands that he's not picked by this general manager. Like, what do you imagine the, the push and pull is? And, and you can maybe talk about your previous experiences you know having the general manager and i'm not saying that this is happening with those two guys but having a general manager acquire guys in the off season and then you get them on the ice and you realize oh this guy can't help our team like how how does that manifest itself as far as the the pressure to put them in advantageous situations
1: well i mean it's a it's an interesting question but i mean um you get these guys and i i i can tell from my experience we we got a guy in um in washington when george mcp made a trade for a guy and i remember after the first game george came down and said you know what this guy was horrible tonight i don't care if you ever play him again <laughs> and my only reaction was george i can't do that i mean i gotta you make a deal for a guy i gotta make you look good so i gotta play the guy until he gets out of it but i mean uh, i think both those players you you've mentioned uh, with the leafs are going to have their time when they are very important parts to the the puzzle. Right now, it doesn't seem like they're that important to the puzzle, but there's going to come a time when you're going to need that ilk of Ryan Reeves, and that's usually in the dog days of the of the the season, the Januarys and Februarys, where everybody else is tired and you need that guy to lift you up. And then you're going to need uh, Bertuzzi's uh, career record in to me implies that he's at some point going to catch fire and do really well, and I mean it just hasn't happened now and I mean I'm not a big believer in um uh oh yeah, he's just getting to know the system and all of that i I think that's a lot of hogwash, but i mean uh, it at the same time I think it's it doesn't necessarily have the chemistry at the beginning, but it's got to grow i mean he's gone through like I mean all with the Detroit guys for his whole career until the last 20 games in playoffs. Then he's with Boston. It's another group. Now he's here with a new group. And I mean, it's maybe all three different ways of playing, but maybe he's got to find his, his niche in the, with the players that he's playing with. I don't know, but I mean, he's a good enough player and he's proven that eventually, I mean, it hasn't happened after 12 games, but eventually it's going to catch on and he's going to be a real good player.
0: Yeah, I, I, my question for him or for or for somebody or somebody like you in terms of coaching him is when a player is expected to, and he's not not expected to score, you put him in the top six, you want some offense out of him, but there's been a lot of talk of snarl and bite and nastiness, and there, there hasn't been an, an overwhelming amount of that in his game. Is that something, a, you know, a coach, be it the head coach, be it somebody else, is that his teammates saying to him, like, hey, where's, where's kind of that element and how much of that is a player kind of acclimatizing himself? Because from the outside looking in, it seems like the the easiest thing to do would be to stick your nose in scrums and easier said than done, I realized, but how much of, how much of that part of a player's game, not so much the hockey part of it, but the, the physical, the nastiness element, how much would a coach kind of talk to somebody like Bertuzzi about that if it hadn't been there and that was something that's expected?
1: Well, if it was something that was expected, you would, you would ask questions. I mean, I never saw the, that part of his, you know, he competed and he went to the, dirty areas of the ice in Detroit and in Boston. But, I mean, I didn't see him, you know, dropping the gloves and fighting people every night. I mean, maybe I didn't watch enough. No, you're right. You're right, Bruce. You know, so I don't know why we all of a sudden give this guy the reputation that he's going he's gonna to come in here and start fighting and, and and uh, you know, cross-checking guys from behind every time there's a scrum and create havoc out there. I mean, I never saw it. I saw a guy that competes goes to the net he you know he scores from the the top of the crease and i mean he'll win he'll win battles in the corner but i i've never saw that other portion of the game or i think we've in toronto at least we've grew it to the point where we think this guy's you know um the next tiger williams you know? Well, know just he just <laughs> has
0: he's missing a tooth and he has long hair so i think mm. people expect that Last it's really that's really what it is is yeah. what's happening there
1: mm-hmm. And I think you're right. I think people look at him and go, this guy is a battler, you
0: know? Yeah. Uh, no, I haven't seen it yet uh, to this uh, point in the season. Before we let you go, uh, Canucks off to an incredible start to the season 19 points in their 12 games, 9, 2, and 1 on a, on a four game winning streak. Um, you're obviously well familiar with the, a good swath of, of the players there in Vancouver. Well, what is happening in, in Vancouver right now? Do you think it's sustainable?
1: Um, well, I do. If they stay healthy, I mean, let, let's uh, let's you know the thing that Vancouver has always had the last few years, and you mount them right up there with uh, Toronto uh, in and the, the and the better teams is they've got superstars, and I mean they got Elias Patterson's a superstar, and and um, uh, Quinn Hughes is a superstar, and and Thatcher Demko is a superstar when he's healthy, and they've all proven that then they have the stars behind the superstars jt miller is a star and and brock besser is a star and and and, you know i mean even uh philip pronick is turning into a star but they've got those and then they they've got they've added now in in the last year they've added players that are really good complementary players And, and i mean even they hit a home run with Kuzmenko, and they and Mikheyev last year, you had him in Toronto, you know how fast he can skate and how good a player he can be. He tore his uh, ACL in training camp last year, and we played him until the All-Star break. Mm. And uh, he was at about 60%. Now he's 100%, so you see a different player. So, I mean, all of these things are adding up, And uh, and... Now they're getting a little bit of confidence because they, they've had a good start, whereas the last two years previous, they haven't had good starts. They've had good finishes, mm-hmm. just haven't had good starts. And, I mean, if it is sustainable, if they, got, they can continue it, they'll have a good team all year. They'll be tough to beat because they work hard and they want to win, and they're really good guys.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see them in their Super Bowl on Saturday, Hockey Night in Canada, against the the, the Leafs. Those, those fans, I don't know. For, I know they they play the the Leafs so, so sparingly over the course of a season, one home, one away. It does feel like that. Yeah, that fan base really does eat up those those matchups between the Canucks and Leafs, Bruce.
1: Well, I can tell you this: when they come to Vancouver, Vancouver hates the Leafs. Yes, the people. Yes, and we went to Toronto. Oh, well, every time I played in Toronto, I wanted to win so bad. This is hometown. <laughs> all of those things, and and we've had some success there. But I mean, it's a uh, uh, it makes for an interesting, interesting game. I mean, when these two guys meet, and as it is going to be tonight, I think tonight's storyline for the Leafs in Ottawa is mm-hmm. as good as it gets. You know, and uh, and it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. Yeah. Well,
0: good job selling that game, which is on Sportsnet tonight, uh, as if it needs selling. The the Battle of Ontario uh, and a Sens team that was booed off the ice on Saturday against the Leafs team trying to string together back-to-back wins. Uh, Bruce, always a pleasure. Thanks for doing this this morning.
1: Anytime. Thanks,
0: guys. See you, Bruce. Uh, Bruce Boudreaux, Jack Adams Award winner, NHL Network analyst, bringing hogwash to the, uh, the table at 752, which, like, if I was – if I was going to analyze what hogwash mm. means, I thought you were going to say if you were going to power rank guests we have on the show who would use it. It's like him and Stellick, oh, one, two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 man, I'm not adverse to using a little hogwash every Definitely. now and again. I, I talked about power handing at 6:45 yeah. <laughs> in the morning, <laughs> and, then, and then again at 7:52. Yeah, hogwash. So I'm not scared. That's why. Yeah, I guess it. The idea is that like a pig is always dirty. Like, yeah. why even washing it? It's a great point. Is that it? I think so. Okay. As good as we're getting to right now, that's for sure. All right. Time now for the Wake and Rake presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book, Bet Local. Let's start with the local hockey team. Leafs hosting their provincial rivals, the Ottawa Senators, 7 o'clock on Sportsnet. You're never going to believe this. Leafs are heavy favorites (laughs) on the money line. Minus 175, the total is is seven, the underpaying minus 128. I bring this up because seven of the Maple Leafs' last eight games following a win have gone under the total goals line. And Mm -hmm. I would also note that uh, Ilya Samsonov unlikely to appear in tonight's game. Yeah. Give me the under, baby. Under is far and away the thing I feel most confident about there. Also, Leafs have failed to cover the puck line on the last 13 times. They've played somebody in the Atlantic Division. So the only way you're getting value on the Leafs there would be the puck line. I'm not touching that. Just stick with the under, minus 128. I like it. Joe Wall, we trust. Raptors in Dallas to play Kyrie Irving and the Mavericks. And the Raptors are underdogs, plus five and a half here. Uh, coming off the big comeback victory against the Spurs. <laughs> I, I like, where are you on the total here? The total is 225.5. And, a half. Uh, and I, I know we've been making people millions of dollars early on in the yeah. season on the under, but each of the Raptors' last five games coming off overtime have gone over mm-hmm. the total points line. Also, Scotty Barnes is emerging. Yeah. I. I, I still I'm 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 giving one last kick of the can of the under here. Okay. Uh I'm just gonna uh I'm just gonna take Dallas to cover. I, I think that there's there obviously we know what OG and Scotty can do on the defensive end. Kyrie and Luca are, are special. And I know the Raptors have special guys too. But yeah, I think I think I like the Mavs to cover minus one ten there. Uh, I like the other side of that. Mavs have failed to cover the spread in each of their last eight home games against teams with a losing record. Raptors just barely have a losing record, but a losing record they do have. So I will take the Raptors getting the points. That was the Wake and Rake presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book, Bet Local. When we come back, we'll get back into the Battle of Ontario tonight at Scotiabank Arena on Sportsnet. also... In Ross Atkins' media availability at the GM meetings yesterday, he talked about Alec Manoa. How does that go under the radar, by the way? Kind of feels like it did. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that. We'll play you the clip next. As the Fan Morning Show continues, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.